Yo, what up, world? We're back at it again with another episode of Creatornomics, and today I have a very special guest with me, Charles Stambeck, one of my OGs from uh, our high school days. How we feeling, bro? Feeling amazing, man. How you doing today? Good, man. Appreciate you coming up to New York. We actually, uh, I hit him up. I saw him going on an Insta Live, pushing with some of the stuff that we'll talk about in a little, but uh, I had to FaceTime you after. Check out what's good, because I feel like we catch up every couple months or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And I was like, yo... You want to come up in two weekends and chop it up? You're like, let's get it. Why not, right? So it's that's, about that time. That's what's up, man. So, yeah, you want to give the people a little bit of intro about yourself, um, what you're getting into now, whatever fun facts you got, let them know. Yeah, for sure. So my name's Chad, Charles, whatever you prefer. But um, I went to high school with, with Franz, hailing out of the incredible Raleigh, North Carolina. Anybody that's been knows <laughs> what an amazing 919 place it is. <laughs> um, but, nah, I um, – Used to be in corporate, got out of corporate America. I was slinging commercial. I was doing commercial HVAC sales when I first got out of college. What's that entail? Um, basically, you work with contractors and engineers to design and sell air conditioning systems, commercial. So, like for the building that we're in, somebody yeah. designed. And I've sold heard there's crazy money in HVAC. I'm t- I'm t- yeah, I swear, bro. someone told me this week, like, yeah, why don't yeah, I just bro. quit my job and do HVAC? <laughs> like, call it a day. It's like, what am I doing? Um, yeah, nah, it, it was like decent money though, for sure you can make a lot, but um, I always wanted to get into real estate, so when the time came, I finally jumped off of that ship and made a run for it, bro. It what what interests you about real estate that like caught your eye at first? You know, it's crazy, I was standing in college, bro, I was standing in my apartment complex, and um, I'm outside with my, with my cousin on the basketball court. Throwing some hoops around, and it's in the middle of this massive complex, right? Massive complex. At the A and T. At the T, right? At the <laughs> T, and the court is in the middle, and so we stop for a second. We're looking around. It's like, man, whoever owns this has got to be doing numbers. Doing right? it was college housing. College housing, bro. Yeah. They're charging by the room, five hundred a room, and there was four rooms in my in mine, right? So it, you know, they're just making two thousand a month off of my unit. There was hundreds of units out there, bro. Yeah. So I'm like, man, whoever is own whoever owns this is doing numbers. Like, we got to do that one day, right? Yeah. And so eventually you start looking into it. You don't really know where to start, and you go down a YouTube rabbit hole. Shout out to this generation for being able yeah. to do that. Um, and eventually found a place where I could where I could get in. And 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 in. was it like college housing or like what? Where did that YouTube rabbit hole? Like, what are some of the people you saw on there that inspired you? And how did that lead you to like I don't know whatever niche that you're in now? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I basically was was. Googling and YouTube and like, how do I get into real estate, right? And there was a guy named Max Maxwell um, and another guy named Brent Daniels that I found and started watching and learning about it, but um, was a little scared to start, bro, because you feel like when you first start something, you've probably felt this way before as well. When you first start something or you want to start something, you feel like you're not qualified. Yeah, you know what I mean? it's like you've imposter never, syndrome yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you got the crazy imposter syndrome. So um, I went through that for probably a year before I actually started. I was in Fort Worth, Texas at the time. Um, I watched a podcast with my guy, Justin Peters, and he was in Fort Worth wholesaling real estate. And so I sent him a DM. He DM me back. Next thing you know, he was letting me use some of his systems to call sellers and like try to figure this business out. And bro, I was calling during lunch. Lunch break. This was, this was when you still had your HVAC job. Yeah. Yeah. I was still working, bro. So at lunch, I'm going in the conference room, locking the door, making calls off my work computer, (laughs) off my work cell phone. Right, trying to do real estate. Um, same thing after after work. I would spend two or so hours, and on the weekends, calling, calling, calling. Um, and eventually, you know, I, I decided to like really go full throttle. COVID hit, 
Mm -hmm. um, I moved back to North Carolina, not because I had to, but just because I don't get to see my family a lot at this time. So I'm like, let me go kick it with the family. Um, end up going part-time in my job um, and finally start striking gold. But it probably took me six months to get my first deal. Yeah. So for that first six months, I guess, I, that was probably a crazy steep learning curve. Like what kept you going and motivated? Because I, I bet the 90% of the people that won't make it through that first six months or even necessarily the first two weeks. Cause Bro. <laughs> yeah, dog, come on. Like it was, uh, I don't really know. I can't even almost describe to you what kept me going. I mean, you're, you're similar in this, in this fact, bro. But like, sometimes when you, when you want something so bad, you're, you know, we're the type of people that are not going to quit. Yeah. Like regardless, right. I know it's possible. Cause I've seen somebody else do it. it. Yeah. yeah. Like, if he can do it, I can do it. So facts. Um, yeah. Crazy steep learning curve. I probably let go. I probably had deals. I probably could have done four or five deals. I just didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Right. So the prices, I didn't really know if they were, you know, if I can make it work, I didn't have the buyers to like did, really make it work. So did yeah. you learn more from like the YouTube courses and stuff or from just like doing it? And how do you balance like someone else teaching you versus just like whatever, dunking yourself in the deep end and figuring it out as you go? Yeah, that's a good question, bro. I think um, initially you learn a lot from watching people and trying to get a feel for the business, but there's nothing like putting your feet up to yeah. the fire, bro. There's nothing like doing it yourself and like failing and stumbling and figuring out what works and what doesn't. There's only so much. We call it in the in the industry, we call it analysis paralysis. That's what a lot of people get stuck in. Yeah. Where they're just watching videos 100% of the time and not taking any action. Yeah. But when you start taking action is when you're going to start getting results. So definitely learn more from doing. But I did learn a lot from uh, from YouTube. And yeah. yeah. I think for, for me, it's the same way. It's just like, well, actually, for me, it's always been. For some reason, I don't know what it is about my brain, but I, like, can't learn from others. Yeah. Like, it's like <laughs> someone else starts explaining something to me, and I, like, either I'll just, like, ask a trillion questions to the point where, like, they, if they don't know what they're telling me about, yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to be, like, you don't actually know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, um, Or they'll know enough where, like, maybe they do actually teach me a little, which is more rare. But for me, it's, like, I just have to, like, start doing stuff and making moves and failing and then fixing nice. it and then – it's nice. like you look back, you know, even like a year later and you're like, wow, That's like crazy. all this stuff like works how I wanted it to back then. And it took me a year to get there. But like I am there now. And like, definitely, you know, just the persistence of it definitely. all. So how'd you end up where you are, though, bro? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, for, for people that don't know, um, obviously, I started in banking here, um, which I hated. I got out to want to do something more entrepreneurial at the time. I was actually choosing between private equity and mm -hmm. which is actually not different it's just like the next step in yeah. the finance uh, <laughs> corporate ladder um or coming to fluent in, in doing finance um so not so different but i was like it's at least in an entrepreneurial company maybe being around that like i'll mm -hmm. be able to like further kind of like what i ultimately want to do which is run a company um so yeah so then i i um learned a lot about influencer marketing from an m a deal we were doing because i was running m a at the time um right. And basically was like, this is what I want to do. It was actually funny. The, the guy that started Fluent, Ryan, um, I was on vacation in Jamaica. Yeah. And uh, and he always jokes about this, but it's like I got back from vacation. And I was like, I don't want to do finance anymore. <laughs> I want to do influencer marketing. I'm going to do it. And it was kind of like, I think for for some people, it's kind of like, is it like a what's going on moment? Like, yeah. is he is he serious? Is he like, is this a fad? And I was like, no, like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, this creator economy and all of this fascinates me. I want to invest into it. Um, yeah. So I was lucky enough that they gave me basically the opportunity and the backing to start Infuse and really like get a get a real first time experience of what starting a company is like 
with some resources. I've yeah. tried to, uh, and I'll throw it back to you in a second. I've tried to start companies and bootstrap different projects and stuff mm -hmm. with no resources. And, you know, they've eventually fizzled out because That's... it just got too hard. Um, and I was doing, you know, a full-time job and other things. Um, yeah. But starting it with resources and people kind of like putting some belief in the form of like money and people and time, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that made all the difference for me to, you know, from something just being like a project that I do for three, four months that fizzles out and something that now I'm, you know, on a almost a year and a half into and like really flourishing. So yeah. I guess how does someone in what you're doing and how do you balance trying to get investment and resources while also bootstrapping, you know, basically the whole thing? Yeah, I mean, dude, this is one of those like the wholesale real estate space is one of those where most, like I would say 99% of the people start by bootstrapping. Like there yeah. isn't really, um, you can get investment from, from people to do this. And, and there are companies that have done it, but most people are going to start on their own. What, what about like on. interning for someone that's big in the space? Or is oh, it really, man. or not like how big are the big companies? Or is it really like a one, two man Bro, type of industry? No, like some, some companies will get bigger, but the biggest one I've seen um, they'll only have maybe like eight to 10 employees, bro. Yeah. I don't have a lot of VAs, right? Maybe 30 VAs that are making cold calls for you. But in terms of like people in, in butts in seats in an office, yeah, I've never seen more than 10. Why, why is that? What about the space is like eight to 10 people, like max scale. Is um, it just like the addressable market's not big enough or I think it's just like you start getting diminishing returns when you start getting so many people that you have to pay. So like, you're only going to get a certain amount of deals. I mean, the deals are linked to how much marketing you're doing. Um, but you know, first of all, it's tough to find people that are good enough to close them, mm -hmm. and they can. There can be a huge learning curve on closing real estate deals, right? Um, so that's one thing. And I think the other thing is, if you've got so many employees and you're you're paying them all, commissions are relatively high in the space. So people are usually getting paid somewhere between eight to twelve percent of a deal. Um, and marketing, the more people you have, so like let's say you have three acquisitions agents, you have to pay. Water bottle down. Yeah, water bottle down. Hands <laughs> getting active. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but you have to pay at least like you have to have like you know relatively close to five cold callers per person that you mm -hmm. that you hire, right? So when you're hiring people, um, you're hiring people for marketing on the other side. And like I said, if that person is not generating a lot of income, the, the so it's it's just it's small. basically it's too hard to hire people that are good and going to close a deal because the and people that are good are better off starting their own thing than working for someone sure, else. Sure, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it, it's a very high turnover as well. So, like, most of the people that I know in this space that have teams and have acquisition managers, they're turning turning them over multiple times yeah. a year. Yeah, so I guess, I don't know, maybe we should have started here, but, like, in the simplest terms, like, kind of what is the, the company that you run now? Yeah. What Who's your ideal customer and why yeah. would they pay you? Okay, okay, so... Um, what I do now is is wholesale and real estate, right? So what that is is I'm looking for opportunities to acquire discounted real estate, right? So we have to buy real estate probably, and we don't actually buy it, but we contract real estate probably 50 to 60% of what it's worth. And we sell that contract to a buyer that does flips or buying holes, hedge funds, all types of different establishments on the backside. Mm -hmm. uh, so my ideal client and my ideal customer are different because the buyers are really my customer. Yeah. I'm doing repeat business with my buyers. The clients are usually individual transactions. Like one-off, one under, off. On, yeah. Exactly. So I'm looking for, um, usually you're looking for distressed situations where you can provide value to someone that needs to get out of a property. Yeah. Right? Having that property is a burden to them, and they don't necessarily know how to get rid of it. Yeah. Right. And so that's where we come in to say, hey, look, if you're willing to trade a little bit on price, 
I can do this quickly and make it very and convenient. How quickly is quick? Is this like people that want it like in 24 hours or like what is the definition of quick? I mean, look, we can get it contracted in 24 hours. The fastest I've ever closed a real estate deal, like I got it contracted this day and we closed it was seven days. So yeah. one week, right? Generally, it's 30 days or less though. And, and I guess so you said, I guess your ideal buyer is anybody that has capital and is willing to buy, yeah. you know, properties yeah. up. Yeah. What What is your ideal you said it's someone distressed, but like, what's like an example of like something that you'd see and be like, this one's gonna work. Like, this yeah. is this is a perfect scenario. Yeah. So one way that a lot of people start, right, is what we call driving for dollars, and what that is is driving around in your local area looking for houses that look beat up, right? So tall grass, tarps on the roof, mailbox full of mail. Like clearly nobody's living there, and if they are, just the old eye test. Yeah, the, <laughs> literally, bro, the eye test, right? And tagging those properties and calling them because those are signs of distress, right? Mm -hmm. Other signs of distress, these are lists that people usually pull, but like probates, when people die and have properties, those properties usually go to somebody else's children yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And nine times out of 10, those people don't want to manage rentals, bro. Yeah. You know, people don't manage rentals is a tough business. Man. Is managing so, rentals what your buyers are trying to do? A lot of them, yeah. yeah. A lot of them do manage rentals, but they have <laughs> systems, right? Like, yeah. you know how important systems are. Your yeah. everyday person is not going to know how to put a system together to manage a rental. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're going to get very little cash flow from it. They don't like dealing with people, right? It's a lot more than tenants yeah. and toilets is what I usually tell people. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, so people that are in uh, just distressed houses in general, probates, foreclosures, tax liens, another like really ninja uh, like group of people that we go after is there's something about people that have had rentals for seven years. That's the point where they start to... Like, so it's just a sweet spot. Yeah, is. like when they've owned a rental for seven years, and this is public information, so you can yeah. pull a list like this, right? Somebody that's owned a rental for seven years, they own less than five, so they're not like a huge conglomerate that owns a ton of rentals, right? Yeah. We find that list, we pull it, and boy, numbers, telling you, cold yeah. call them, ask what they'd be interested. A lot of times, you know, if they have less than five properties, they're not, they don't have crazy It, it feels either. like that rental example, though, would be significantly less distressed than, like, uh, a death, I think, would be, like, Absolutely. people are much more likely to sell at a lower price than, yeah. like, someone that has a rental. So how do you find, like, arbitrage in someone that just is in seven years in a rental? Dude, like, they, like, people that are seven years into a rental, one, um, if they don't have a lot of rentals, they're, like, five or less is, like, where I like to do it. Um, the, the property has been beat up, usually, right? You've probably only had one or two tenants. They don't like, so one of the biggest things about owning rentals that cost people money is turnover. So when your tenant moves out, it costs rough, like roughly $5,000 mm -hmm. to get it back, which really that can that can be your whole year's profit. Yeah. Right? So they don't do it, right? When they turn over, they try to do as little work as possible. So in seven years- It gets run down. You've had three or four tenants and you haven't really been turning it over the right way. It's run down. And now they're a little older they don't want to do the work. So they don't need to sell it, but they're willing to sell it. And they usually don't, like all the way know like where the market is. Right? Yeah. They're more concerned with, you know, I'd rather just have $150,000. I don't really care where the market is right yeah. now. Yeah, and go like, you know, just have that money yeah, and retire go, or whatever. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So that's where the, it's, it may not be super distressed, but yep. it's just like a tired landlord is what we call it. Yeah, so, so the free game and in terms of actually numbers, like what is like the, the price range that you're looking to buy a house for generally? And like, what is like the sell? Like, is there like, you just quoted 150. Is that like the sweet spot? Or like, do you guys do stuff bigger than that? Is smaller ideal? Yeah, I mean, you can do, so I've done deals on houses that will end up costing anywhere from 100,000 to 700,000 or a million even, right? Yeah. But where you want to stay is where you're going to have the biggest pool of buyers, right? And so your buyer at the end that's going to have rentals or is going to do flips, 
you want to get them houses where that their end client is gonna have you're gonna have a big pool of them too, right? Mm-hmm. So you really want to stay in that like three hundred and fifty thousand or less range, right? Because yeah. that's the the range of housing that most people can afford. You're gonna mm-hmm. have way more people that can afford that rental and way more people that can afford it if you flip it. So the end buyer is more interested in yeah, that, that yeah, demo. Exactly, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I guess what what made it about, like, I guess, I don't know if you call it lead gen, but it feels like in my world what you do, it would be called lead gen. Um, how do you feel about being in the lead gen world instead of, like, that end buyer renting? Category? Is that take more capital, or, like, what what is brought you to the the part of the ecosystem that you're in? Dude, it's, it's way faster money. I can make... You know, ten to I've made as much as fifty-two thousand in a deal, whereas it's going to take you years to usually make that off of a rental. Yeah, right. So the rental is the long game for sure. I'm not saying you shouldn't get rentals. I I will start buying rentals at some point, but I'm telling you that fast money is hard to say no yeah. to. You yeah, know what I mean, but it's cool because I'm the gatekeeper. So if I wanted to keep them, I could, mm-hmm. right? But uh, yeah, right now it's just not my focus. Bro, I'm focused on building a team that can generate these leads at will. Mm-hmm. And then I'll focus on building teams that can manage rentals. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I gotta tie it back to the Creator Nomics podcast. So I, I see that uh that you guys uh or that you a lot of people are on social media in the space and like mm-hmm. social media. I know I've even texted you about this. I'm like, how big is like social media and doing courses versus like actually doing the work in like, you know, flipping? So like can yeah. you talk about how this world that you're in is kind of seeped into social media and like what platforms and stuff it's on. You mentioned dude. a couple pods. <laughs> yeah, dude, it is uh, the social media part of this is incredible, bro. There's people that um, have used to do this business or maybe dibble dabble in the business that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on selling how to do the business. So yeah. there's more people probably selling how to do the business than there are actually doing the business. So yeah. it's huge, bro. People sell courses and um, live courses, courses that you can take at your own pace, mentorships, all type of things um, in the space. So it's massive, bro. Yeah. What, massive. what about like doing lead gen with social media? Is anybody like kind of like created a, I don't know if you can call it an influencer, but like a big page or persona or something about like, if you're in distress, hit me up and like been able to like penetrate yeah. either through TikTok or Insta, like, you know, good leads, like, to just find them organically? I wouldn't, uh, usually, bro, if if people are getting, people do do deals because of their social media presence, but it's more so other wholesalers bringing them deals, right? Yeah. So people that are, when you're talking about legion via social media, it's going to be paying for ads, mm-hmm. right? That's how you're going to get legion. Do people do pay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. People pay for Facebook ads. Uh, YouTube ads are getting big now. Uh, PPC, so being pay-per-click for Google and stuff. Um, but in terms of, like, using Instagram and, like, TikTok and stuff like that to, to make money. Uh, most people get a big following, and then what happens is, and this even happens for me, and I don't even have a 1,000 followers, yeah, bro. Yeah. <laughs> but because I post about it here and there, people will send me, hey, can you help me with this deal? You know, maybe one out of every 10 is a deal, but mm-hmm. that's an extra... You know, I know some people where these JV deals that get brought to them because of their brand yeah. make them, uh, you know, 30%. So, so how do you think about growing your personal brand on socials? Is that something that you're going to prioritize or like how does that fit within their priority list of this business that you're trying to build? Um, yeah, I definitely will. bro. I've just started uh, here in the last few days starting to post more. Um, I've got a really simple strategy um, to kind of grow an organic fan base, bro, because um, there's a lot of information out there. All I want to do is show people how to do this A to Z. I'm not going to not going to teach anything that I haven't done. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to teach past what I know. I'll teach, you know, every day I drop a, you know, a reel or something about the next step in the process to getting a deal and completing a deal and getting paid at the end. So, my whole goal is to help people understand what this business is, 
and how you can go from zero to hero is what yeah. I like to call it. Yeah. So what are what are the the kind of first what are the steps? Walk walk me through the the high level steps of uh, yeah. what you're teaching. Yeah. So I mean, first first thing you're gonna want to do is understand who your avatar is, and that's who we've talked about before, mm-hmm. right? Somebody that's in a distress situation, right? The next thing I like to tell people is you have to be in a certain space mentally to help them, right? So you have to always go at this from a space of providing value to that person. If you go in there with commission breath, they're gonna they can smell that. You yeah. know what I mean? So always have, you know, a, an attitude of providing value. Um, when you find somebody in that situation, um, you know, there's all types of things that you can learn. You know, you learn what to say. There's scripts, there's videos, there's cold calls that I've had that I have recordings of that you can listen to. Right. So that's the next thing I'll teach is what to say when you have mm-hmm. somebody in that situation, how to, you know, bring out their motivation, bring out their timeline, bring out their condition. Uh, one of the big things in this business is running comps, knowing what to offer, right, what price would be good. Um, so that's what I'll go into next. And then it'll be about getting that thing under contract because nothing matters until you do. And then find a buyer and get into the closing table. So Boom. those are the steps. Man. Let them know. Let All them right. Know. Them well, know. with that, uh, we out. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs> of Creatornomics at InfusePod.com That's InfusePod.com